Welcome to the Colts Free Agent Preview Podcast, a look at some key in-house free agents this offseason. Now, here's the voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor, from the Indiana Union Construction Industry Radio Studio. Yes, indeed, that's our location. Welcome back to the Free Agent Preview Podcast, our series here on Colts.com and the Colts Audio Network. Thanks for joining in once again. I'm joined in studio, Casey Vallier, Bill Brooks, former wide receiver. He's in the ring of honor. We've established that. Guys, what's going on today? I know it's almost the weekend. What's going on? It is almost the weekend. Doing good. How about you, mate? Doing great. In a great spot. Although, like we talked about, still trying to fill that void of of no football, college basketball kind of winding down. Bill, anytime, this is going to sound really weird, but... This time of year in college basketball, we always hear about the bubble and yes. oh, you know your RPI and your strength of schedule and your Kim Palm. Kim Palm. I was yeah. driving down the street the other day. You know, it's it's almost college basketball tournament time. It's almost March Madness when McDonald's brings back the Shamrock Shake. <laughs> yeah, that's the line yes. of demarcation. That's yes. how you know college basketball season's almost over. St. Patty's Day, definitely bringing it back. Bring the Shamrock Shake back. <laughs> Get you wow. a green shake and step uh, inside my brain, fellas. <laughs> yeah, don't try I'm to justify up. it. Wow, I'm, I'm, don't try to justify. I'm it. I'm shocked that that's where your head goes. That's not at all where mine goes. But I don't now even like the shamrock right. shake either. I just saw a sign like, "Well, it's coming back, St. Oh, Patty's Day. Man. Basketball's winding down." I would have never thought of that. And I'm sure now that's going to be stuck in my head now from here on out. Thanks. You man. are welcome. Well, let's, let's try to try to get to business here. How do you transition out of that? Hell, if I know. Uh, this is our sixth free agency preview that we've done so far we focused on michael pittman jr gardner Minshew, zach moss kenny moore and grover stewart now we're putting all eyes on safety julian blackman and before we get into the uh, the capsule of julian casey where do you have blackman on your uh, your free agent uh, pecking list your priority list here for the colts you know it's interesting because i think we've all talked about this list the colts have of free agents is probably one of the most you know robust lists that we can remember of, yeah. of recent past and i think in that light it kind of puts blackman a little lower on that list probably in large part due to the position and, and you know as as far as the bigger names you have it's not a stab at Julian Blackman so it's a hard it's hard one for me to justify where he is on my list but I think he's a little lower and that's just because of what you have at the top it might be a little bit of position but also who the Colts have back there as yeah. well you know you have some other guys back there that have played the position mm-hmm. that have been out there and you have a guy young guy coming that you drafted last year in the fifth round Daniel Scott yeah. that is you know he didn't play last year so you want to see what he has so you have some people back there so I kind of agree with Casey I'm not saying he's he's real low or whatever or he's real high but he's not as high as maybe some of the other guys we're talking about of course like Pittman and, and guys like that of course uh, going into the free agency period all right very good well let's uh, talk about the capsule here Julian Blackman I think still all things considered one of the top priorities for the Colts in free agency because of his stability, the the leadership and the mentorship that he brings. We'll talk all about that. But uh, this past season, switched full-time to strong safety uh, and recorded career highs. Four picks. He had two fumble recoveries. He had 88 tackles, five tackles for loss. Again, all of those numbers, career highs for him, just wrapping up his fourth season with the Colts and was an absolute Iron Man until a shoulder injury late in the season, Christmas Eve in Atlanta, Week 16, 
ended his season. Prior to that, though, he played 99.8% of the team's defensive snaps. He also had the second most tackles on the team before he got banged up. Colts GM Chris Ballard said in his end-of-the-season press conference that he didn't think Blackman would need uh, to undergo shoulder surgery this offseason, so that's good news there. But again, we don't have any um, definitive word on that. But in four seasons, Blackman has missed 17 games and has yet to play a full season. We'll talk about some of the injuries as we go on here as well. But picking up there, Bill, how do you think Blackman transitioned? How do you think he switched from free safety to strong safety for the Colts last season? I thought he did a nice job switching there from free safety to strong safety mm-hmm. and did a good job because in that position you have to do a lot of communicating back there in the secondary. And I think um, you saw him out there. He was communicating with all the other safeties in the corners and trying to get them situated and set up right. And, you know, even when Blackman was out during training camp, he showed to me his leadership out there by just a lot of times he was always talking to the young guys out there when they when they come off to the sidelines and training camp when yeah. he was banged up a little bit. So, you know, he, he showed that leadership out there and he played well, and I think he did a nice job also not just playing the position but having to be able to tackle because that's the position you have to be able to tackle, get up there and run uh, some of those run plays and give up your body to go against those big guys, some of the big uh, running backs they have to face, and also – Guys like tight ends, play against the tight ends, a big tight end. So I thought he did a nice job adjusting from free to strong safety. No, I, I completely agree with that. I mean, I think we kind of mentioned at the top, you know, you, you go through the stats and everything and the position switch, and I think ultimately it was maybe his best season to date. And you think about it, heading into a contract year, changing positions, that's probably not something that typically you're going to see if you look at the contracts. That's not when you're going to see that happen. But I think he took it in stride and really just showed off what we all have, I mean, we've had numerous conversations with Julian Blackman, and not only from just a human standpoint, I feel like every time he says something to me, I feel like I get smarter. So, you know, <laughs> when you look at it from that standpoint that he's out there communicating and kind of getting people aligned, it, it made a lot of sense, and I think he had a best year here in 2023. You know, when I talk about Julian Blackman, this is totally anecdotal, but, you know, this is this goes back to the spring and the OTAs. It's not a, a training camp practice. It's not a workout at Grand Park in front of the fans where you've got some music and you got the noise and you got just more people, you have more media there. In the spring, you know, there's a handful of reporters out there. We'll go out and watch practice. And I swear to you, there's 90 guys out there during OTAs or the mini camp towards the end of May, and there's only one guy that I can distinctly hear. <laughs> And that's Julian Blackman <laughs> yeah. because he's such a great communicator. Yep. He is, he's is. he got a great leadership uh, quality about him. Bill, how would you describe Blackman's leadership and his playing style and how important has that been for the Colts' defense the last two years here under Gus Bradley? Well, he's so, like you say, he's a good communicator. And his leadership style to me is like he wants to be the guy, hey, look, let me show you, not just say it to you, but show you out there when I'm out there playing. And he wants everyone to know that, hey, look, look, these are things that we need to do as a team, a good team player out there that, hey, look, we need to do these things as a team to make this defense successful. So mm-hmm. I like his leadership uh, over the years. Of course, he's grown uh, in that leadership role and making sure that, you know, guys are in the right place. You know, I don't know if it's, you know, having other guys in, in the in the system that he's learned from, like Gilmore or Rodney McLeod that was here when he was here, yeah. things like that. So whatever it is, I mean, he, he's taking that leadership role and, and he's run with it. And he's someone that the young guys can look up to and kind of emulate, you know, what they want to do out there in the football field as communicating and not just communicating, but being a leader out there in the football field, going out there, playing and being present each and every time uh, when you're in practice and make sure you're focusing on things and take 
practice very seriously yeah. because it's going to translate into how you play out there in the football field during game week. He's a lot like Zaire Franklin in a way. Like, if you've got the pads on, I mean, even if you don't have the pads on, I mean, a lot of times, you know, you talk about those practices, you know, you're just wearing shells. He's coming to play. It, it doesn't matter. I mean, you're offense, I'm defense. I'm coming at you regardless if we're teammates. <laughs> and, and I think it makes everybody better. And that was one of the things that I always appreciated watching the way that he prepared because he prepared every every practice like it was a game, and it, and it yeah. brought that intensity up even in June. And, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, typically you're you're going through the motions in some ways, trying to get everything ready to go. But then you've got 32 out there. He He's not letting you do it just in going through the motions. you got to come out there and bring it. I think your Zaire Franklin comparison spot on because he's got an edge about him. Yeah. Right? He's going to bring it every single component that goes into football, whether that's lifting, meetings, walkthroughs, practices, certainly the games. And he's a great communicator like we've established, but he's a great trash talker as well. <laughs> Yes, he you know, he's, I, he's all pro in terms of trash talking, and I think that's healthy. You know, whatever you have to do to get yourself to play at a high right. level, you do that. You buy into that, and I think some guys bought into that as well. He and, would drive and, me crazy. <laughs> if I was a player out there, he would drive me crazy trash talking all the time. I'm I think it's healthy. I think in a healthy way, though. For right? him, for him, yes, it is a healthy yeah. way. No, no, I'm saying as a player, as a as a wide receiver playing against mm-hmm. someone like that, that would just <laughs> drive up, me crazy. And yeah. it, you know what? And it probably would work. It might get me out of my right. game a little bit. So, yeah. I mean, if that works for him, that's great. Absolutely. The guy, the guys, I mean, he's beyond untalented everything that he does just turns to gold but again one of the most uh, dependable communicators on the Colts defense something that Gus Bradley has really kind of grown to trust in relaying uh, that info throughout the secondary but this was a, a great quote from again Chris Ballard there at the end of the season he said quote I thought Julian played really good football this year uh, at the end of the season it sucked when he got hurt uh, that hurt when we lost him I thought he played excellent football and Casey and Bill, you know, it's one of those things where you, you always want to play coulda, woulda, shoulda. But uh, I think if you go back to that Week 18 game when Nico Collins yep. had what it was, like 12, 12 catches for yeah. a buck 95, like what what could have been in that game trying to shut him down on the Texans uh, in the secondary if you have a healthy Julian Blackman. No, agreed. And that that's, that's where a lot of it goes to when I think of, I mean, just the way that that game started. Houston's first possession – communication that you would typically have when Julie went out there I don't think that was going to happen now you know sometimes you just make plays and that happens but I do think with Julian Blackman out there there are certain times especially in that week 18 game you'd have really appreciated him being on the field because of what he would have brought right and you play that what if game what if what if he was out there would that play have happened you know would the communication have been so solved that hey everyone would be on the right page and, and doing the right things out there so that's when you look at it and say okay now this is how Julian is important to the defense. You know, someone being out there, someone getting guys in the right It's like we spot. talked about with Grover Stewart. Ex- like, right. is his absence more of a, a feather in his cap when you talk about him in free exactly. agency? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things. So, that's how, to me, you have to look at it. You know, how important is he? Because when he's not out there, mm-hmm. who do you have to put back there? Yeah. All right, along with the shoulder injury in December that ended his season, he's he missed uh, 10 games in 2021 a torn Achilles, and then three games in 2022 with an ankle. Uh, As we said, he's missed 17 games in four years. He's never played more than 15 games in a season. Also, if you go back to him coming out of college to the Colts, suffered that torn ACL in the Pac-12 championship game in 2019. 
So, Bill, how much how much do Blackman's injuries kind of muddy his free agent waters, or, or do they, in your opinion? Well, I think you have to take it into consideration. I mean, someone that's missed that much time over the years that, you know what, you don't know if he's going to be – He's going to get hurt again, mm-hmm. how available he's going to be out there in the football field. But the one thing you could say, you could try to look at it as a positive, that when he does have these serious injuries, he bounces back. He does come back from those injuries, and he's ready to play, and, and, you know, ready to go out there and, and play at a high level. So you could take it as a positive, or you can take it as like, hey, you know what? You might not have this guy for 17 weeks. Yeah. You, know, you might not have him for each game, but for the most part, if it's not a serious injury, hopefully – You'll have him for most of the season because, for the most part, after the if it's not a serious injury, he's been playing, he's been available for him. So, uh, it, it, you know, it, it does murky the waters a little bit when you look at talking about free agency. If I'm going to look at someone that's going to come into my organization, or we're going to bring them back, uh, of course, you have to play, uh, look at the injuries and see how that plays into your decisions on negotiating and what you want to give him, how much you know. Maybe you want to make it some put some incentives in there for him playing each game sure. or uh, playing time and and things like that. So it does murky the waters a little bit. You know, I, I'm glad you brought up um, his ability to bounce back because mm. uh, I think we all remember sitting out there for minicamp coming off the torn Achilles. You know, I mean, he's only – I mean, was it, it was, what, November? Was it October or November when he suffered it, that injury? I'll have to go back and look it up, but I think it was October. Okay. Hang well, tight, yeah. When, when he came back, it was almost like, you know, we weren't sure – when his availability would be, whether that be training camp, and then you see him out there at OTAs, and I remember he made that one hand, that one hand interception where he jumped up and everybody kind of gasped. You heard all the reporters gasp, but th- that was one of the things that he kind of showed. Hey, I'm back, like I'm ready to go. So that is one of the right. things that I'm glad you brought up because he has been able to bounce back. It's definitely one of those where you know, as you said, you got to be cautious of that injury history. Mm-hmm. But you have seen what the impact he can have on the field because, I mean, he's a ball hawk, just has a knack for knowing where to be at the right time. So it, it will muddy the waters a little bit, but you also can see if he's healthy, he's an impact player. Yeah, his last game that season, 2021, before the Achilles was mid to, mid-October. mid Okay. All right, last couple of things here. I mean, you kind of hit it on it uh, a little bit there, Bill. I mean, if the Colts were to lose Blackman in free agency, now what? Uh, or then what? Who, who would they turn to? At the strong safety position, I mean, the Colts have uh, Rodney Thomas, but, of course, he's primarily been a free safety. Nick Cross got way more playing time towards the end of the season compared to his first year and a half, if you will, uh, in the NFL with the Colts. Who, who would it be if you had to play a game shortly after free agency would start if uh, Julian Blackman is no longer on this team? Well, you know, you, at the end of the season when uh, Julian was out, you had Ronnie Harrison Jr. and you had Nick Cross back there playing the safety position. But right. you also have – Rodney Thomas back there who can play back there in free safety, maybe put Nick Cross as strong safety, not exactly sure right. how you want to do that. But also, you know, you got Daniel Scott. Daniel Scott, as I mentioned earlier, you know, a fifth-round draft pick last year out of Cal, um, suffered an injury, so he's missed all his last season. But they were high on him going into training camp, uh, high on him as far as what he could do out there in the football field and hope, hoping that, you know, he can make some contributions, not just on special teams, but also in the defense. So he's another individual that, you know, they could put back there. But also, you know what, they could sign a veteran free agent, you know, and bring him back and uh, bring someone in here that has some experience out there that they could put back there. So, you know, you have some guys on the roster that you could put back there that you hopefully feel comfortable with that can fill that void as strong safety and be able to make those plays 
up there near the line of scrimmage. But also, you know what? It wouldn't hurt having someone that is a veteran back there that has some experience back there playing in the secondary that can help out those young guys as well. Yeah, that's kind of where I am is is the veteran presence because you have so much youth there. Yeah, we know that Nick Cross has played a handful of snaps See, since. That's what I think. I, I think the Colts' belief in Nick Cross, if the Colts are high on Cross and they've crossed that bridge in terms of his um, th- their trust in him in terms of the mental side of the game, yeah. then I think that would lessen the Colts' urgency with Julian Blackman in free agency. No, agreed. And, and then that's one of the things, you know, I'm glad you brought up Daniel Scott because he's kind of a name that I'm sure a lot of fans are not aware of because ultimately he gets drafted and then I think it's a month later. I think it was, you know, during yep. minicamp, right he tears his ACL, yeah. Yeah. And, 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 it, and it goes away. I mean, so he's a fifth-round draft pick, so he's already kind of a late-round guy, and then you don't even get to see him in training camp. So not much tape on Daniel Scott, but he was a guy that Chris Ballard mentioned numerous times. They thought as a rookie he had so much special teams play because he was kind of one of those first-drafted guys of your sixth-year you know, college players, and he mm-hmm. spent six years at Cal, spent a yeah. lot of time playing special teams. So he had, you know, he was one of a, a plug-and-play special teams guy as he developed into the NFL safety. So he was a guy they were very high on, and definitely when you look at where Julian Blackman is, I think he's also a guy, when you talk about Nick Cross, that's going to weigh into that decision because if they like what they had in Daniel Scott, then you think we've got Rodney Thomas, we've got Daniel Scott and Nick Cross out here. Maybe you do take a veteran guy later, but that might lessen the need yeah. to bring back a guy like Julian. And we also found out at the end of the season, Daniel Scott was around. Yes. Like he yeah. was yep. always he was there. Always here, like, yeah. he, you know, mm-hmm. he just didn't kind of disappear into the shadows, uh, you know, back into the training room trying to get healthy. No, he was – you know, at the forefront of meetings and practices, still engaged and still trying to get better and soak in, you know, all that he could in terms of his first year in the NFL, despite not being there on the on the practice field or the game field. But we kind of talked about this earlier in the week as well, with with Kenny Moore being a free agent as well. Your your two most veteran presences in the secondary, both up for free agency at the same time, fellas. I mean, can the Colts afford to lose both guys in free agency? when the rest of the current secondary is so young, Casey? Is it one or the other? Is it Blackman or Moore or Moore or Blackman? Or can you afford to bring back both? Uh, Considering, again, we always go back to this, what you're paying for or not paying for at the quarterback position with Anthony Richardson. Yeah, very, very difficult there because I think we've we've all mentioned in both of these podcasts when you talk about the leadership and kind of guys that have been through, been there and seen it all, those are two guys that kind of fit that bill. And it's going to be interesting to see if if they choose to go away from both or one of them, how different that mm-hmm. secondary not only looks but sounds and kind of reacts to things because that is the biggest part of this. Yes, they're both talented players on the field, but there is a lot that goes into that, you know, being a leader, being a guy that's helping making sure everybody's in the right spots because ultimately – you know, that, that's what's going to win you and lose you games. And, and that is, is going to be very pivotal when you, you talk about both these guys because they both fit that bill very, very well. Yeah, it's going to be important because, you know, we talked about continuity. We talked about someone that's understanding this system of Gus Bradley yeah. and playing. And if you lose both of both those guys, you, you don't have anyone back there that can do sure. that unless there's someone that's played in Gus Bradley systems out there that's a veteran that can come in and, and help these young guys out and, and get them fam- more familiar, more comfortable in this system and, and kind of help their development and their growth. 
So it's going to be interesting to see that, you know, if you lose both of those guys, yeah. what they're going to do and, and what happens with this defense. Absolutely. Bill Brooks right there, Casey Valier. I bet Julian Blackman likes the shamrock shake. <laughs> <laughs> but he goes to the drive-thru on his cheat day, on his day where you can kind of splurge a little bit, taking some more calories. By the way, the combine is next week. Yeah. How wow. about that, huh? Wow. Man, Casey, I, what are you looking forward to? You know, for me, the thing I love about the combine is it's it's everybody here, so – we have all these contacts that we talk through out the season. You know, we're we're getting information, we're doing interviews with all these people, but getting everybody in the same building and just you know seeing eye to eye and just just talking about football and life and all of that. I love just that networking, if you will, part of the combine because yeah. ultimately I don't really watch any of the the player stuff. I mean, outside of the the guys doing bench press right by where our table is. We aren't in Lucas Oil watching the drills, so for the most part, it's kind of just mingling with all the NFL's who's who's, and that's that's what I really enjoy. Absolutely, yeah, I like hearing different viewpoints. You know, yeah. you guys, when you guys are interviewing different people, I like to hear everyone's viewpoint on what they feel, you know, about the Colts, what they feel about Indianapolis, what they feel about the combine being here in Indy. So I like to hear everyone's viewpoints and and how they look at things. And I do get a chance to watch some of the guys out there, so I enjoy going out there watching and. Hopefully when I get a chance, hopefully I'll get a chance to watch the receivers and, and, and see what they do and, and how they work out the, this combine. Was your, was your combine experience kind of a blur? It was a blur, and it was very stressful. Oh, yeah. Yeah, very stressful just because, sure. you know, you got to go out there and perform and get the medicals, and they look at you, and they're pulling on you and tugging on you, and what's working, what's not working, why is this bent, why is this not bent, and, you know, stuff like that. So it, that, that part was stressful, and then going out there and actually performing the different drills and, and things like that. No, yep. that's that's interesting. I, I would I would have loved to have seen Bill Brooks' combine because I'm sure we would have all been blown away <laughs> like we were by his career. No, 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 no. Nothing nothing, nothing to write home about, believe me. That's <laughs> why it's still on YouTube. That's, that's why right. we all watch it. That's right. Anytime. Anywhere, baby, on demand. Oh my goodness, Bill! It's no. 2024, man. It is somewhere. It exists somewhere, right? You know, maybe, maybe, you know what? They 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 couldn't uh, convert it from the, the 1986 VHS. VHS. Now. Yeah, real to real. Yeah, I got, I got a beta to tape in the closet. Here. We're good to go. We're laser disc. We're good. We're good. Hey, coming up, we got more free agent profiles in the coming weeks. Rigoberto Sanchez. We'll dive into him at the uh, early stages of next week and then the uh, week after next. Following the Combine, we'll dive into Taven Bryan, Taekwon Lewis. We'll also talk about Jake Martin and Ronnie Harrison as well. And again, we've already talked about Pittman, Minshew, Moss, Kenny Moore, Grover Stewart, and today the focus, of course, on Julian Blackman. Check all of those out on demand on your schedule. Colts.com and the Colts Audio Network anywhere you download your podcast. Again, for Casey and Bill, I'm Matt Taylor. Thanks for listening to the Free Agent Preview Podcast Series here on Colts.com and the Colts Audio Network. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you next week.